Hello and welcome to Arts Talks. My name is Didan Jal, and in this episode, we speak to Chinese Canadian artist and researcher Sugwen Chung, who is also the founder and artistic director of Silicet, a London-based studio exploring human and non-human collaboration. Sugwen is considered a pioneer in the field of human-machine collaboration, exploring the mark made by hand and the mark made by machine as an approach to understanding the dynamics of humans and systems. We speak to Sugwen ahead of their brand new exhibition, Relational Gestures, at the Hoffer Gallery in Mayfair. Okay, Sugwen, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for making the time to talk to us. A pleasure. So your new exhibition, Relational Gestures, kicks off at the Hoffer Gallery in Mayfair, and it's a fantastic body of work, I must say. What inspired the concept and the themes around this body of work? So we're so excited about uh, the solo show. Can't wait to share the work with everyone The body of work has really been an ongoing investigation uh, for the past 10 years that I've been making into human and machine collaboration, um, really exploring the evolution of the human hand through working with and building different technologies and what that can mean for practices like painting, like choreography, like programming. So it's been a really beautiful journey of uh, navigating Uh, the machine other and sort of relating to technology in the way that I do. And you've been very, very busy with (laughs) this general body of work that you've been working on for quite a few years now, right? Yeah, yeah. I started um, the first iteration of this project in 2015. Actually, development started in 2014. So it's really been amazing to go from this rather niche interest of mine, um, maybe a very sci-fi oriented interest of mine to where uh, we are today, which is a space where AI has really taken over a lot of the public discourse and conversation and robotic technology has been advancing. So yeah, it's been, it's been gradual, but it feels like it's coming all together at once. Now, relational gestures, is it fair to say, suggests interaction and movement, right? They are kind of like anchoring themes or narratives, let's say. Can you tell us about the techniques or the mediums that you've used to convey these ideas in the work? Absolutely. So again, this is uh, the first time I'm releasing and sharing a lot of the artifacts of the process that I've been building up for a decade. You know, I've been working with AI systems, robotics, virtual reality, uh, rapid prototyping, pretty much. uh, I'm a really curious person. So everything that I've been engaging with to try to um, make and extend my own drawing will be uh, visible and will be shared in the space. For me, it's a way of kind of relating to a machine double of myself, to relating to technologies that I didn't understand but do now, and really uh, sharing that with a wide audience. Mind-blowing. What do you hope for viewers to take away from relational gestures? Are there any particular emotions, any particular messages or reactions that you hope to provoke or evoke? You know, one of the freeing things for me about the art practice and being an artist is that I'm really open to any interpretation that people want to bring to the space. Part of the journey and part of the uh, performances over the past, uh, you know, many years has been, um, I love knowing what people bring, what emotions that come from them that they place onto this process of mine. I'm I consider myself a process-based artist. Mm. So these artifacts are really points of reflection, points of thinking about human agency in a sort of a vast technological landscape, and hopefully thinking a little bit about the evolution of the human hand. Mm. I think we're at a really interesting time in society where 
so many different practices are being challenged. There's a lot of existential uncertainty all around us. And I think a lot of the work is how I've explored that uh, creative and existential uncertainty for myself. Would it be fair to say that if you'd started considering other people's emotions, thoughts and reactions, <laughs> that could hinder the creative process, right? There's that saying, it's like, what you think of me is none of my business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't give a damn about my reputation. There you go, thing. right? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any advice for aspiring artists who are interested in also incorporating technology into their art? Absolutely. I think I've been so privileged to have the space to talk about my practice and my own creative journey. My mother is a computer programmer, and my father's an opera singer, so... Oh, wow, okay, yeah, so what runs a in the family. Oh, yeah. what a combination of influences. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, a, it's interesting to me because for, uh, for a lot of people, those things seem like um, diametrically opposed. They mm. seem very, very far away from each other. You know, maybe my parents are a bit opposites in that way. But for me, I found a way to hybridize them, to find cohesion between them. I think a lot of times people, people can feel that way about art practice and technology. It's like, why do you need all these tools? And you really don't. But if you want to understand technology in a different way, if you want to understand your own art in a different way, there's so much potential to use these tools to find your own bridges and build your own bridges. So mm. I think for me, the title Relational Gestures has uh, you know a few different meanings. I think on one hand, it's uh, the rela relational gesture uh, with the robotic unit or the relational gesture with different technologies, but it's also you know, it's also a relational gesture to the audience. You know, it's how I communicate uh, most natively and most truly. So being able to let creative people and artists know that art at the end of the day is a form of connection and you can find any medium in which to do that and uh, to really celebrate what those can be. Amazing. I'd like to talk about you personally a bit more. And now that I know <laughs> your mother... Was, is? Was, was. was she's retired programmer. now. Okay. And bless her. <laughs> Would it be fair to say that she's probably like one of your, well, if not your number one fan? <laughs> you know what? My mother, whenever she sends me a nice text about the work yeah, and some, you know, notes as well, but mostly she was really excited about the, the work that was being shown. Does she get it? Uh, she grasped she the concept. Really, she really thinks of herself as engineer first and foremost. Uh, okay. So she like she's like leave the aesthetics to your father kind yeah, of thing. But yeah, yeah. so when the aesthetics really resonate with her, um, she made one of my art pieces her WhatsApp background. She's gonna hate that I mentioned that, but <laughs> but I knew I knew that she liked the work when she made it her avatar, uh, wow. and and that's been really lovely. So. Has your dad ever scored any of your live performances? <laughs> that would be amazing, right? He, he's an opera singer. Oh, so, so oh solely would, a singer. Okay. So that would add a really different component to the performances. Well, imagine yeah, him writing a piece for <laughs> one of your performances. That would be far out. I, I think that I bring music into the process in a very uh, foregrounded way, really speaks to my background as a musician uh, as well. And, and how, I, you know, I think through music to this day, Okay, so you are a musician by trade as well. I yeah, did not know that. I am, okay. I am. I'm a classically trained violinist and pianist, and uh, I dabbled with electronic music for a little while. Okay. It was really terrible, so I, I decided to stick to robots. But I do work with a, a collaborator, a dear friend of mine, for every performance, and his name's Aquarian. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got a lot of records out, and it's been really nice to share that creative process with uh, with friends, because that's what it's all about. So you create the sonics as well as the aesthetics? Yeah, yeah. Superb. 
Could you tell us a bit more about your artistic journey from a personal perspective and what actually inspired you to incorporate robotics, AI technology in general into your art? Where did it all start and why? Uh, you know, I, I always feel like I've expressed myself best through drawing and technology. For a while, I was uh, working in interactive media, doing a lot of immersive installations, a lot of work behind the screen that would find its uh, fuller experienced form um, as an immersive installation. And that was really interesting. Um, and I learned a lot about how uh, real-time and uh, computer vision technologies worked through that. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting to me because I felt a little bit like I couldn't really get that immediate expression by just sitting behind a computer screen. So I became uh, interested in trying to think about ways to draw with and catalyze my own muscle memory uh, with a robotic unit and sort of engage technology in a more spatial way, mm -hmm. which is really one of the original impetuses for the robotic unit project. I, I talk about how uh, there was a story going on um, in 2015 about uh, this YK, this Go player called uh, Lisa Dole. Mm -hmm. Go player. Yeah, Go. It's a it's a uh, sort of like Chinese strategy game. Okay. It's a bit like chess, but a lot more complicated. Right, okay. And it was exciting because he's he's really considered the Mozart, the prodigy of this game. And he went up against a computer program designed by this company called DeepMind and was completely defeated. I think I've seen this floating around on the internet. Yeah, yeah. I've seen okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm recalling. Wow. Yeah, it okay. was such a it was a, such an interesting story because you know a lot of it was about you know you know the the game of Go is mm. you know no more like the machines have rivaled us and beat us and 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 I think that was a really despairing sentiment. But what I loved from reading about that was that he described his experience of playing against this computer system as being able to help him see the beauty of a non-human move. And I thought that was, you know, really groundbreaking mm. because he wasn't despairing. It really showed him a broader way of thinking about his own craft and also a, a broader way of thinking about the non-human other. Expanded his outlook. Yeah, exactly. And how exciting is that? Yeah, because absolutely. it's not purely optimistic, but it's not without awe and a, sort of an own his own existential challenge. Mm. And I really wanted to take that to a realm that I felt like I knew very well, which was drawing. Arts Talks is curated by Hoffa. For more information, head over to thehouseoffineart.com. So your work often explores the person to person and the person to machine sense communication, right? How do you feel art is bridging this gap? You know, I find art practice and art really, especially art that engages with technology uh, in, a, in a kind of exploratory and critical way to be so vital to how we think about creative expression these days. I think when you, when you incorporate different technologies, in some ways you're challenging um, what came before. You're hybridizing something. Um, you're making it your own. At least you can be making it your own. And I think we're in a space where... Like what? What is it? All our old gods and masters are dead. Like I think it's 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 time to uh, catalyze the new mm. in a way that respects tradition, that that respects the roots of where you came from, but also trying to find new new solutions, but also new questions to some of the um, very important existential questions that we have today. You know that just made me think of a very common feeling that 
your general public these days feel? And, and it's that sense of losing the significance or the, you know, the awareness of where the human roots actually lie. Yeah, absolutely. How do you feel about that? Is that something you <laughs> care about considering how immersed you are and, and how at the forefront you are of this amazing integration of technology into your work? Is it something that bothers you or not? I think it can be a little bit alarmist. Uh, I did a debate at South Bank Centre in London, uh, I think last week, and the, the debate topic was centered around, is AI an existential risk to humanity? Mm. And that's, I think, a question on a lot of people's minds. That sometimes can stoke a fear that limits our understanding of what these systems really are. I think it's based on that, isn't it? Lack of understanding. Yeah. You can only fall into a state of fear due to a lack of understanding. Completely, completely. And that's why I think creative process is such a great way to understand in a way that feels emotional, feels vital, feels feels playful, mm. you know? It's a way to create different engineering problems, create different drawing problems that help you understand the mechanics of an AI system. You know, before I started working with AI uh, systems and building uh, my own and training my own models, like, God, may maybe AI is an existential risk to me. And then I sort of dove into the material of it you know, the data science of it, the coding, the computational apparatus of it. And then you're like, actually, no, you can just turn the system Damn off. Damn thing off. Yeah. yeah you yeah, know, there's yeah, an off yeah. button. I don't know. Put some water on it. Like it's yeah, not, yeah, absolutely. I think, I, and you know, I think a lot of that fear comes from science fiction, maybe. Uh, we have Terminator, we have HAL, we have all these systems that are also works of art and works of fiction that can be quite one-sided. I'm here to create your own realities, uh, which is what art always is, so. Again, I think, you know, because that, that common sense of mindset is seeing what was once fantasy yeah. slowly but surely become, become reality. reality. Yeah, yeah. But that not being anchored by what actually <laughs> is going on right now due to a lack of acute education about, you know, what is actually going on, how it's actually forming, you can only fall into those, you know, funks of fear, can't you? What would be the best go-to place online for people just to educate themselves about all things robotics, AI? There's so much online. I think it really depends on, and it's sort of this generosity of, uh, creators in a lot of ways sharing their their output. I mean, I I really um, this is a little bit after my time, but I love the work of Processing Foundation. It's a really is interesting that a channel or a, a uh, it's blog? actually a, a programming language. Um, okay, that's run. There's a JavaScript uh, add-on by Lauren McCarthy. Processing Foundation's really created a really vibrant community around a really simple to understand coding platform and. It's really wonderful. Daniel Schiffman, who's a, a professor at NYU, does these amazing videos. Daniel. Daniel Schiffman. Daniel Schiffman, okay. Uh, Lauren McCarthy runs a processing JavaScript version of it at p5.js. Uh, processing Foundation supports a lot of the community. Uh, tutorials by Daniel Schiffman on just like, you know, very basic uh, coding, but he makes it fun and mm. they all really support. That's the thing, simple and fun and digestible. And and make fun a way of learning, Absolutely. right? And I yeah, think yeah. it really sparks enough dopamine that keeps you want, kind of wanting more. So yeah, there's so many resources out there. Through my studio, I'm also going to be sharing a lot of resources around Fantastic. Um, how to get involved with robotics. I could spend two hours listing all my favorite robotic people. Another really amazing one is uh, Madeline Gannon. She's creating a creative robotics open source framework as well. So um, there's so much out there 
Uh, and and I'll be sharing a lot more resources for inspiration soon. We'll be hitting yeah. you up when you start that sharing yeah. process. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Now, many of your pieces involve live performances where you collaborate with robots and AI. What kinds of challenges have you faced <laughs> along the way? Any malfunctions, any meltdowns? <laughs> I, I mean, th those are a given. Yeah. Those are a given. Why all the live shows happening? It's an experimental technology. Yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah. I think it's part of the performance sometimes because I think we need to be reminded that it's not perfect. I'm not trying to, I'm not staging a, a theater piece. I'm not a theater performer. I'm just showing a process in a way that hopefully resonates with people. Um, I think one of the challenges has been just that sharing of uh, something that is a really personal process uh, with a wide audience. It's, um, but it's always incredibly rewarding because I, um, I've been uh, told by people who've come up to me after, especially over the past few years, that they get such an emotional um, release from viewing the work because they see that tension in the performance. I'm not shying away from it. And I think there's a maybe a gentleness that I bring to the painting that also... I don't know. I think it's really mysterious. It's really, it's really uh, drives a lot of the work. This pure vulnerability on stage. Yeah, yeah. I think that's never going to be able to be replaced. And that's what people connect with. I yeah, mean, of course. The analogy that comes to mind is, you know, comparing watching a DJ back in 1995 who had <laughs> yeah, two yeah. turntables and a mixer. Yeah, yeah. I saw DJ Crush like last year or something. Who's there? You go. Right. One legend, of the dons. Turntablist. Right? Two turntables. Two records, big distorted sound system, anything could happen. And that needle could go left, could go right. But that's what made the performance so captivating. And that's what made you want to go and see them compared to now, where it's just like pressing play on a CDJ, right? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I do, I do, I do. Yeah, it's it's funny because I think the reason why we relate to a lot of those things is because we, we know what it is to feel the tension of creative expression. Everyone's picked up a pencil and looked at a blank page and felt that like, oh my God, what do I do? Mm. And I think that is really at the heart of the creative question that, uh, that I find, uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't think it's going anywhere. I hope so. Got some more to come. <laughs> yeah. Now, your artistic process often involves improvisation with real-time interaction, yeah. right? Um, how do you balance that sense of being spontaneous alongside the preparation that you put in to your live performance? You know, I think there's there's no balance. It's one and then the other. It's, uh, it's making sure the parameters of the system, the robots are calibrated, everything's perfectly, in, or not perfectly, everything's as in, in tune as it can be. And then I think it's mostly about, and the success of the performance, and, and I think my, my response to it is how much I can let go of thinking about the system, thinking about the robotic units as, as, as other, and just being in the creative flow state. I've really made creative flow states the center of you know, the, the substrate of the work, the material of the work these days. So I think it's so vital to get into that point where you're not thinking about anything else other than the paint and the brush and the page. So Gwen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you for your time. A pleasure. Thank you so much.